As the uh, kids go, I, yeah, I'm asking Shannon to come up and uh, help me. We have uh, three-ish things that we're going to talk about. I got to get my list out. You only have one, Shannon. I know. And um, I've got more than one. So, uh, first of all, those families that are leaving, uh, <laughs> Mark and Sarah, where's, where's Mark and Sarah? I know they're around over there. They're waving. Uh, great, I'm going to use you as an example in just a moment too, but uh, Mark and Sarah are doing a, a, a games night for our families, May 14th, and you can register online. So if you want to talk to Mark and Sarah, they're going to be out in the foyer later on, you can talk to them. So that's what's happening May 14th. Shannon. And that will be found under Family FX online for people to register? F FX, it's, it's family, family experience. experience. So right. you're, if you say family XX, you're saying family, family, experience. Right. Yeah. Right, right. That's right. <laughs> He's right. He's right. Okay. Uh, my name is Shannon, and I'm here with an elder update. Um, on Friday, if you got the email... Shannon, I, are you standing there because you're taller than me and you don't want to embarrass me? <laughs> I do feel a little tall. No, I was standing here because I didn't want to be in your way when you were giving the first announcement, oh, okay. and then I just didn't move. But Okay. Fine. Over here. Um, an elder update uh, is the search committee. So on Friday, an email came out, and in that email, there was a link to a video that I did updating you on our lead pastor search committee. Don't know if you know, we're looking for a lead pastor. Um, and so we have our search committee that's now put together, and um, I encourage you to go and find that link and uh, see the video. But I will ruin the suspense right now by telling you who our search committee is, um, and I'll ask them to stand. Tazia Popma is here, and Travis Weens, and I know Curtis Wickerink is in Hawaii. I'm sure he's standing there. Um, Steve Fowler, oh, yay, and Lauren Reimer is not here at the moment. But, uh, and then myself and Ralph Kempe are our elder representatives on that committee, and I'm quite excited about hanging out with this group of people over the next bit, uh, finding a lead pastor. And they've begun already looking at your surveys. Thank you for that feedback. And their first meeting, I believe, is the first week of May. Super. That's the update. And, yeah, and I would just uh, encourage you to pray for this group. Uh, as you remember um, them and that God will lead and guide them. And I like to say that, it, you know, we call it a search committee, but I really believe it's discovering who God already has. And, uh, and so it's actually a joy. I always like that adventure of discovering, and that's what this group gets to do. They get to discover what God has in store for us. So that's great. My last announcement is this, and it has to do with, uh, with us as a family here on a Sunday morning. We've been, uh, we've been asked, are we going to do two services? And uh, we're going to try to stay at one service as we go into uh, May. We know that May long weekend comes, and when that happens, you all tend to go, hey, the weather is nice, I'm gonna go camping, or the weather is nice and I'm gonna go out for a hike. And, and so we know that, that uh, we're not as many once May long weekend happens. So we're gonna try to get there in the May long weekend, which means that what we're asking for you to do is on a Sunday, if you look, Mark and Sarah, I said I was gonna use you as an example, uh, Mark is sitting in one row uh, in front of Sarah because their family didn't fit in a row. 
And what, uh, what it means is that when you come in, if you are uh, sitting in a row, and I know some of you like to sit on the outside, but if you could think about squeezing in a little bit, making some room so that we have, it's easier for people to get in and out and we can fill up uh, space, especially families who come, that they would have room to be able to sit together. All right? If we can do that, we'll see how that goes. And then in the fall, we anticipate that we'd go back to probably two services. So there we are. Thank you. Uh, yes, you can give me that. Oh, I did that once. I grabbed the top of that. You remember it fell off? I remember. Um, so this morning, we, uh, we are going to do a community uh, connection, and I've asked a friend of mine, Sean Orza, to come up. And so, Sean, will you come up? Super. Uh, and I, I've I got a, some questions I want to ask Sean uh, for you to get to know him. And my first time of meeting Sean, well, not meeting, but really getting to know him, was uh, we were, we'll have a seat here. Sound good? Uh, we were walking down to a, uh, a river, and he, um, I got to hear his story. And as we were walking down that river, it was to, for the purpose of Sean and uh, his wife to be baptized. And so it was an exciting time. And that was in August, right? Of uh, last year. Last year yeah. yeah, yep. So Sean and I got together, and we, uh, we put together a few questions. Yeah. Let me just... Test this here. There you okay. go. Speak into the microphone. <laughs> uh, and uh, it, it's exciting. It's exciting to hear Sean's story, and that's kind of what we want to do today is for Sean to be able to share a little bit of his story. So first question I have for you, Sean, is this. Is, um, did you always believe in God growing up? I believe I did always believe in God growing up. I have a, a from a very young age... And uh, I'm not sure exactly what age it was, but perhaps when I was about seven. I had just woke, uh, I'll tell you a little instance about that. And I had just woke up camping, and I was alone in my tent. I was thinking to myself about God and asked that if there was a God for him to show me that he exists. And at that moment, on what was a very cloudy morning, the clouds seemed to immediately separate and my tent filled up with sunshine and was totally illuminated. I felt like I had got my answer. Yeah. <laughs> you know, isn't it something that, uh, for you, you didn't grow up in church, right? No. No, but yet you believe in God, and you're asking, you know, you kind of want to have something, some sign that there's, there's a God there, and that's, that's our God who loves, uh, and, uh, and he reveals himself. But that's not the only time. Um, you, uh, probably a really dramatic time happened, uh, you own a, you own a business, yep. and uh, so just share a little bit about that uh, experience you there, where, where you were seeking God, and, and he did something pretty miraculous for you. Right, so this was before reading the Bible, and all that this took place about three, uh, about three years ago, and it was one of the most incredible moments, um, I was... I was feeling down and a little depressed about my business circumstances. I have a collectible store in Shimanis where I sell retro video games, comic books, records, vintage toys, and other worldly objects. <laughs> I also have uh, pinball machines to play. Um, I just lost one of my arcade locations 
competition opened up in Duncan. And I also learned that there was going to be a public market opening up about 200 meters uh, from my store where it was published in a newspaper there was going to be an arcade. Um, so the next morning, I can't remember why, but I was up early and I decided to stop at the Crofton boat launch. I got out of my car, looked across the ocean on what was a beautiful morning, and I prayed. I prayed about many things, but my emphasis was on my business that morning. And I asked God for a sign to know that I was on the right path. I continued my day and went to work. Later that day, I was processing inventory on my counter, and I wasn't paying much attention to my customers at this time. Then an older lady dropped some comics down on my counter. I said, you like Spawn? She said, yes, it's my favorite comic. I chuckled because Spawn didn't seem fitting for her. <laughs> then I heard another voice say, have you ever had any local artists come in and sign any of your books? I said, not really, just a couple friends who do their own books. And no, I've never had any Todd McFarlane's in here. I said that because I knew he uh, grew up in the area. Then I heard another voice say, let me introduce myself. I'm Todd McFarlane. <laughs> I immediately thought it was a customer messing with me, but then I realized this was real and actually happening. Todd is quite famous in the comic book industry and has done some amazing Spider-Man covers, Incredible Hulk covers, and he also started Image Comics. I had a great visit with Todd and he signed a bunch of my comics in my store that he had illustrated, and then finally he wrote me a note. It said, To Sean, great store. Keep serving us nerds, Todd McFarlane. <laughs> it wasn't till the next morning that it hit me. I got a literal sign and an answer to my prayer. Um, and what was also really cool about the uh, public market thing is... Uh, with the arcade that was supposed to be opening 200 meters from my store, I was the one to be able to open it after uh, talking to the owners. Uh, and uh, I guess my lesson was that when you realize that when you put your faith in God, none of these worries matter because you know that God has a plan for you. But I find what's interesting, Sean, is even, you know, at this time, and you're, you're, you're praying and, and God is answering prayer, you're still at a place of trying to understand this. And I remember you telling me that um, the Bible, you kind of had some opinions about the Bible. And, uh, and then COVID hits and things get kind of tough. Uh, your, your wife, uh, Taryn, she begins to read her Bible with, your, with, your dad, with her dad but you still have some opinions and thoughts about the Bible. Why don't you share uh, about that and that journey? And, and I think that's kind of where it brought you to going, hey, there's more to this than just a God. Yeah, so at first I was resistant to the idea. Um, of reading the Bible. Of reading the Bible. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, may, or sorry, maybe not so resistant to the idea of Taryn reading it, but it soon grew into Terrence suggesting I read certain passages and that I would really enjoy them. Uh, I actually said, I don't, need a re I don't need to read a book to believe in God. Um, during that time, Taryn and her dad 
continued to pray for me that I would start reading the Bible and also, or, and also at this point, Taryn was starting to go to the house church and wanted to bring our children. I was also hesitant about this and I quote, I don't even know these people. Who are they? Are they going to indoctrinate my children? What are they teaching them? <laughs> Hopefully that doesn't sound too harsh. <laughs> um, but ultimately, I ended up supporting Taryn's decision. I also started being more receptive to Taryn when she said I needed to hear a verse. And after hearing the verses, I started to read as well. Uh, I then attended a couple of the house church meetings, and after that, I opted to close my store Sundays. Um, and now we attend this house church, or this cathedral or the house church every Sunday. And uh, it has been such a blessing and has really helped us through these troubling times. Also, I would like to add that by reading the Bible, I have accelerated my relationship with God immensely. Um, I never would have got to this point without reading the Bible. And so I think it's, it's, uh, it's fitting, Sean, and I appreciate that story and that journey. And I appreciate that, that each one of us has a different story and journey uh, with, with our Lord and Savior. But um, I thought it'd be fitting if you shared a verse from a Bible that you uh, didn't think that was needed, but uh, a verse that you realize that uh, is important for you in your life. I'd love to. Happen to have it bookmarked. <laughs> And uh, it's Philippians 4, 4. <clears throat> rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things, what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me. Practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. Thank you very much, Sean, for sharing this morning. Appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah. I think there are times uh, in our in our life and in the church life that we can kind of wonder where where is God? Is he is he working? Um, has he done anything over this COVID period? Uh, as we saw last week, we had eight baptisms. Uh, today we hear a great testimony of God working, um, and I thank him for what he is doing, uh, and it's encouraging. Uh, this morning, uh, I want to talk about serving the Lord. And uh, you, when you came in, you, you saw a bunch of, uh, a kind of a, a, like a, a science fair 
uh, out there. And so we'll, we'll get to that a little bit later, but uh, it, it'll tie into serving the Lord. And my goal in what I want to do today is, is not to uh, make anybody feel guilty or to twist anybody's arms, but to see the opportunities that are at hand and where God may be asking you to serve and to rejoice in the areas that you are serving. Let me start off with, with this illustration. Um, when, I was, uh, when I hit junior high grade six, uh, I, had the, I had the opportunity to, to pick up an elective. And the one that I chose to pick up was band. And, um, uh, and, and I remember a lot of my teachers, but I do remember my band teacher uh, pretty well. Because I think that it's, it's actually quite crazy to think about a band teacher and what they have to do and uh, what is be, before them. Now, I've known a lot of teachers over my lifetime, and I'm good friends with a lot of teachers. And so as I single out the band teacher, I want you to know that anybody who teaches, I admire you tremendously. It is not an easy job to do at all. Uh, but for my illustration, we're going to highlight the band teacher. And so Mr. Larson was our band teacher. In grade six, we arrived. And as we arrived there, all full of excitement about what was going to take place, he had quite the job before him. Because really, most of us had never played an instrument before. We had a few that had, uh, had played an instrument, but uh, maybe taken some, some lessons. But most of us in that room hadn't. And so as we sat down there... Um, it was quite remarkable because, you know, as, the, as the, those that played the reed instrument, as we began, they began to squawk, the, the brass began to squeak, and the string sections screeched. And then there was us, the percussions, and we couldn't hold a beat. And, uh, and that's what Mr. Larson had to work with. And, of course, as, 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 uh, as, as, the, as drummers, if you stop and think about it, who in their right mind would give grade, grade six boys two sticks to hold and put them in the back of the room and think that they're not going to cause trouble? And so constantly it was, Scott, will you quit pounding? Mike, will you, will you put that stick down? Ted, will you quit hitting him? And all of us, I think, in the band class, probably we all felt like we didn't get quite the, the attention that we needed. We all felt that we were probably more important in our section than what everybody else in the, in the band, band class thought. But what was amazing was where he took us. Where we started off here, and we're squeaking and squawking and screeching and can't give key a beat, to where we ended up in grade eight. Now, nobody's going to invite us to the late night show to have this grade eight band play this remarkable song, but it was quite amazing about how well we did as we worked together. And, and what, was even, what was great about it is that what band, when band sounds great is when everybody is working together and playing their part. And, and, and I use that illustration because that's really what it means as a church. We're all playing our role, all playing our part, and we have different parts. And sometimes we feel like our part is more important than others, but the truth is it's all needed to sound really well. I think in this past two years, we have been able to have a little bit, and it comes to serving in the church, we've been able to have a little bit of a sabbatical. Some of you have served many years in the church, and you've had a couple years off, which is great. 
and it's wonderful. But as we are now back and engaging, it's time for us to have a talk about how we can serve and where we can serve. It reminds me a little bit that every year we come back uh, and as a band, and for most of us, uh, we didn't pick up our instruments at all over the summer. And we needed to dust them off, and we needed to get back, and as Mr. Larson got us back together, he'd tell us, okay, you know, did any of you practice over summer? And a few people, really, really good ones, raised their hands, because probably they had lessons. And, but most of us said no, and he says, it's time to dust off your instrument, and it's time to begin to practice. And that's really what this is. It's kind of for us to kind of start to look at this and go, hey, it's time to get back into practice. So I want to talk about spiritual gifts, because that's where we serve. We serve in the area of spiritual gifts. And so what is a spiritual gift? A spiritual gift is an extraordinary ability or power given by the Holy Spirit to those who believe in Jesus as Lord. These gifts are given for the purpose of building up and empowering the church to do the will of God the Father on this earth. That's what spiritual gifts, they're, they're given by God. And they're used not for our glory, but for his. Not for our purpose, but for the church's purpose. And the exciting part that you all sit here, and if you know Jesus Christ as Lord, you all have at least one spiritual gift. Hallelujah? I'm glad. Yeah, that's good. It's good stuff. Now, some of you, you might be sitting here going, spiritual gifts? Like, what are they? What are these spiritual gifts? Well, I don't have time to run down through um, 18 or 27, depending on where you are in your thinking or your teaching, there's between 18 and 27. Um, I would point you to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to look at that today. But there's also Romans chapter 12, and there's also Ephesians chapter 4. Those are the three major areas where you'll find spiritual gifts. And if you Google spiritual gifts, you'll come up with the list, and you'll be able to study them at some point in time. We probably should take time to study them. But I will tell you, that spiritual gifts are given to you by the Lord for a purpose, and a good purpose. But I do want to spend our time in 1 Corinthians this morning. And so if you have your Bibles and you turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we're going to read down through some of these verses. And I know it's up here on the screen, but I love the Bible being opened uh, one way or the other and, uh, and looking at it. And so this is what Paul has to say. We're going to read through some and then I'll, uh, some scriptures and then I'll make some comments towards them. But he says this, but now, now about, this, about gifts of the Spirit. Brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or another, you were influenced and led astray by, to mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus is cursed, or no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Paul goes on to say, Therefore, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in every one, it is the same God at work. Now, to each one that manifests the Spirit is, to manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To the one is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom, 
and to another a message of knowledge by means of the same spirit, to another faith by the same spirit, and to another the healing by the same spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and still to another one in interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of the one and same spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. Now, what is going on here? Why is Paul going into all of this? You have to understand again that this is the church of Corinth. And this is where there are many gods. And if you wanted to, uh, to, to get pregnant, you would go to the god of fertility and you would pray, God of fertility, will you please uh, help my wife to become pregnant? Or if you wanted to be rich, you would go to the God that would provide you with richness. Or if you wanted to be smart, or if you wanted to be, you would go to these different gods. And Paul is saying here, it doesn't work that way as believers. There's one God who distributes all of these gifts to you. You don't need to go to many gods, but there's only one God you need to come to. That's what is going on here. That's what he is saying to the church there in Ephesus. And so what we can come to the conclusion of is this. We receive spiritual gifts from the Holy Spirit. He's the one who distributes them. Your gift that you have is that God knows you so well that he says, you have this spiritual gift. I want you to have this spiritual gift because it fits your personality, it fits your passions, it fits how I created you. Gifts are given not for the purpose of gain, personal gain, but for the gain of the church. That's what spiritual gifts are for. So that's, Paul's trying to address this. And he's trying to help them to understand that go to your God, our God, and he is the one who will give you spiritual gifts. But he goes on. And so this next part, let's read together in verse 12, starting in verse 12. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. Now, just stopping there for a moment, he is bringing in the illustration of the literal body here. That's what he's doing. And so we'll, we'll go on to read in there. You'll see that he's going to talk about feet, and he's going to talk about eyes, and he's going to talk about ears, and he's going to talk about, the, about uh, smell and taste and, and all of that. And so he's using this here. This body is a body. My body, Scott Hemingway, is right here. This is what God gave me. And I don't have two. I know I might have a, a, a somebody out there that looks like me, but there's only one me. We are our one church. There's one of us. And yet we have many parts, and that is important. One church, but many parts. I remember this next part, hearing this, and, and, uh, and I, I remember as a kid sitting in church and having it read and literally thinking about an eyeball rolling down the road. <laughs> and thinking, that's crazy. It doesn't have legs, it doesn't have arms, and it's literally rolling down the road. So if you want to use your imagination today and really picture what this is saying, fantastic. So Paul goes this. He says, 
For the body does not consist of one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, see that eye rolling down the road? Where would the sense of hearing? If the whole body was an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. He goes on, the eye cannot say to the hand, I do not need you. And again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the part of the body that seems the weaker are indispensable. And the, uh, those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow great honor. And our undesirable parts are treated with great modesty, which are more presentable parts are not required. But God has, no, has so composed the body, given greater honor to the parts that lack it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffers. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Again, understanding what, why Paul is bringing this forward is if you go back to 1 Corinthians 11, he's addressing that, that in the church, they are looking at each other in different levels. And they were come together separately, and a group of people were coming together that perhaps were more, more educated, they, were, they had more money, they perhaps had better status in the community, and they were gathering together and they were leaving the poor out. They were leaving those that were less in, the, in society, they were leaving them out. And so Paul is actually carrying on that theme to say, listen, the body is the body, and you are one. Now, I have tried to cut off some, some, some digits on my hand. You can see my middle finger. Uh, it's crooked. My thumb doesn't really work well. And I thought that I didn't need them. But in, in truth, I do need them. And uh, when you try to cut them off, they don't really function the way they should function. And you realize that a thumb is actually pretty important in life. And uh, when it doesn't work properly, you drop things, many things, all the time. I dropped my favorite cup the other day in the office and broke it. And hot water went all over the place. Feel sorry for me. <laughs> Paul is addressing this here, and he's saying every part is important. Every single one of you is important here in this church today. And those that aren't here that call church, church. Whether you are little or whether you are big whether you are young or whether you are old or in between, or if somebody who is young thinks you're old but you're really not, you're still important. And Paul is addressing this in the church. It doesn't matter where you come from. You are part of the body of Christ. And we need to adjust our spectacles sometimes and see each other as Christ sees us, his people. So, a couple things. The church is made up of many parts, but it's still one. 
So we're diverse, which is a good thing, but we are one. Secondly, we need different parts because God arranged it that way. You are needed. Your gifts are needed. Your abilities are needed. Your passions are needed. And I say this, that as a church, we have everything we need to do the ministry that God has called us to do. And so if you think that we need to do something, maybe you're part of that body that you should be doing that. Or maybe we shouldn't be doing it because God really doesn't want us to do it. Every gift we need is here to do the work that he wants us to do. So either we shouldn't be doing it or we should be doing it, but maybe you haven't stepped up to do it yet. But it's here. And so we don't need to feel guilty about it. We just need to recognize it. But God arranged it. He's arranged it for you to be here. He wants you here. He's got a, he's got a role for you to play here. To me, that is exciting. And then we come to this part, where the part of the body that, that we perhaps see that isn't as important as others. And, and so he, he calls them out. And he, he says that, hey, there is some parts that we may look at as weaker, but they're indispensable. For instance, we may think that somebody who stands up here on a Sunday morning is pretty important. And it is important that whoever stands up here is speaking the truth. But we may see something like Kids Zone on the Road, Michelle, and your crew, and you may even help and think, oh, that's all I do is just help. We can't look at it as a lesser part of what we do. We look at it as it's actually indispensable. We can't do without it. We need it. And it is important. And so we shouldn't look at ministries and we shouldn't think that one is higher or one is more important than the other. It's all important. And one isn't weaker than the other. Paul says it actually is, is indispensable. You can't do without it. We can't do without the ministries that we have that God has gifted us to do. And he says there are some that seem less honorable parts, but we treat with special honor. Again, we may think that somebody like Andrew who leads up here, like, ooh, what an honor that is. And yeah, it is an honor. But you know the person who greets in the morning? We should look at that and honor that. Somebody could have come in today and you could have been feeling like, oh man, I am not having a good day. I don't even want to be here. I'm a grump. I shouldn't even be here because I'm a grump. And you were greeted. Maybe you were greeted at the door. Maybe you were greeted by somebody a little bit further from the door. But that greeting is hospitality. That greeting is important. That greeting is a welcome to say, we are glad that you are here today. And it should be honored that we have people who will greet. Or some of you pray. Some of you pray. Don't even know who you are, but you pray. And that's important. And we might not see it as important as somebody who gets up and preaches a message, but prayer is such an important part of what we do here in the church. It's a foundation and it needs to be honored. 
Some of you, you used to teach Sunday school. You used to teach a guy like me, and I'll tell you, I was a handful in Sunday school. I did not sit still at all. Scott, will you sit still? Scott, will you stop that? Scott, will you listen? Scott, that was me. And I tell you, if you teach Sunday school or you taught Sunday school with a kid like me, man, it drove you to pray. And that's why today you may not teach Sunday school, but you pray. And that is a good thing. And that is an honorable thing. Some of you make cookies. And you think, oh yeah, I just make cookies. But you make cookies for youth. And do you know that when you make a cookie for a youth, and that youth stands around and they eat a cookie, and they stand around with another youth or another youth leader, and they're, they're eating that cookie, conversations happen that they would never happen if they weren't eating that cookie. Isn't that honorable? Yeah. I'm a little bummed because I've tried to go into the freezer to see if there's any cookies left over, and there is none. And then we come to the part where it says there are parts unpresentable and we treat with modesty. As a body here, we are at different levels on an economic side of things, socially. And as a body, we have an opportunity not to do that to one another, not to place somebody because they're more educated, higher than somebody that's not. We do functions here, and there are times that people may need some financial help to do a family retreat that Mark and Sarah put on. We come alongside and say, hey, we'll help pay for that. That there's a neon sign that says, oh, we paid for you to come. <laughs> we don't do that. We honor. We look and we say, we're going to treat it with special modesty. So that's what Paul is saying here. And, he, and, 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 and I've gone too long. I, I, I apologize because I have another part, but I'm going to conclude with this. And this is what Paul says. At the end, he says this. He says, hey, we work together as a team. We're part of a team. When one of the team members suffers, we all suffer. When one of the team members rejoice, we all rejoice. We work as a team. It's not me, it's we. It's we together. It's we as a church that are going to help reach this valley. It's we as the churches in this valley that are going to reach this valley. It's not me, it's we. And we get to do it together. And we get to rejoice. But we also get to suffer. As some of you go through hardships and hard times, we need to suffer with you and feel that. But we also rejoice. We had eight baptisms last week. And it wasn't that I baptized, it really was that we baptized. Because each person who stood and, 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 and gave a testimony, saying, I am a follower of Jesus, did not happen all on their own. There were lots of people who came alongside of them, who helped them to the place to come to the point of saying, I want to be baptized. Whether it was their families, whether it was their friends, their house church leaders, or the church here, we played a role in them being baptized. Amen? And is eight people, is eight people enough? No, we want to see more. 
And we're going to do that as a church.